Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This is Reasons to be Cheerful with Ed Miliband and Jeff Lloyd. Well, hello. Hello, happy haircut. <laughs> happy haircut. We said that together. We did. We're in sync. We're in sync. I've actually been on the road quite a lot this week, or on the train, rather. Plymouth, Bristol, Sheffield, Doncaster. Wow. Lots of going around the country. You're like Bob Dylan on a permanent tour. I do like going out and about, actually. You know, it's rare because Parliament's in recess, so it's rare to have the chance to do it sort of, you know, day after day. And, you know, I've seen... Um, community energy in Plymouth. I've seen water source heat pumps in Bristol. I've seen green hydrogen in Sheffield. It's uh, wind turbine in uh, near Rotherham. It's sort of it's it's really interesting about um, politics, which is, I, and I know this sounds like a cliche, but you genuinely learn so much more. You know, it's this sort of seeing is believing, and what's so interesting is it's not just seeing is believing, but talk to people on the front line of say green energy. You sort of pick up so much that you don't get just talking to, you know, experts have a really important role, but it's there's something about the practical, how it feels on the ground, which is so interesting. For example, Bristol, hearing about water source heat pumps, which take the heat from the river, even though the river isn't very warm, and it's basically a way of heating thousands of homes in Bristol. And it's what's really interesting is it's being... This project is being done with Vattenfall, which is a Swedish company that is state-owned. And part of the reason for that, it's a really innovative idea that Bristol City Council have had, the mayor there, Marvin Rees. But part of the reason is that there isn't the finance from the UK government to make a project like that happen. So you've got the Swedish state coming in, essentially, to support this project. So it's really um, energising. You're so I I mean, you're you're hyper. You need to do this more often. I know. It's picking up that distributed knowledge. I've got it. So you've heard of that show, The Secret Millier. Is it called The Secret Boss or Secret Millionaire? The Secret Millie. The, the head of a... The Secret Milliband. Secret Milliband. The head of a company goes down onto the shop floor in yeah, disguise yeah. and pretends to be an employee. Undercover boss. Undercover boss, that's yeah. it, yeah. So so what about a show where, I mean, Secret Milliband, but you or any politician, you have to be heavily disguised mm. and then... Go and be, come be amongst the people and see what you can find out. I mean, look, you need to do that all the time. I, I mean, know, but I really want you to start wearing disguises. Do you think? Yeah, fake beard. Sort of Jeremy Beadle-style stuff. you think I'd be a good Jeremy Beadle? Do you think you'd be a good I Jeremy Beadle? Yeah, it's got okay. to come from within you. Yeah, I think that's probably right. Now, I think we should talk about what we're talking about because we've got a special guest on today's podcast. Well, we do. Extra special guest. 
Yeah, a, f- a few weeks ago, I was saying that my reason to be cheerful was yeah. that I'd started watching Newsround with my son. And then, then we thought, wouldn't it be good to do an episode? As it turns out, it's the 50th anniversary of Newsround this year. And children's news and how you report it and the effect it has on children is an interesting topic. So that's what we're going to be talking about. So uh, in advance of that, I recorded a little chat with my son, Eugene, who is five going on six. And he's a match. What? Is news round? It's something they learn about things. What things do you learn about? Ukraine, a sunken pirate ship. What bits do we like that happens at the end of news round? The cute animals. We really like the cute animals. And um, why do you like news round? They sometimes like their jumpers and trousers. They do have good jumpers and trousers. Is there one presenter on news round who you like the best? I would say I like them all medium. What could they do that would make you like them even more? Be nudie. <laughs> Be nudie? <laughs> but it's not nudes round. You know that. It's news round. Yeah. Okay, as long as you're clear on that. How does it make you feel if they're talking about something serious or sad like Ukraine and how people's lives are at the moment? Worried and scared and frightened. And what do the people on Newsround, what do the presenters help you do with that? Learn. And does it make you feel a bit less worried and understand it a bit more? Yes. And do you ever think you'd like to do things to help people? Yes. What like? Be a part of the Bird Society. Let's be a part of the Bird Society. And what about for people in Ukraine? Do you think we should do something? I know something. Mm. Instead of using writing, we could talk our way through it instead of writing. Who would we talk to? talk to Russia and then maybe when we found a way to make a nice route so that we could live in peace. That sounds like a great idea. Without writing because writing's me. Now I know you're very interested in saving the planet. Yeah. Can you tell me about what things to do with the environment would you like to see on Newsround? Maybe if persons who don't know how to make bird feeders Maybe you could tell them to get bird stuff and then you could tell them how to make one. Mm -hmm. And what about things like what we could do to stop the planet getting too hot or what we could do to keep nature healthy? Put ice on in our house so it would start to get colder. But would it use electricity to make the ice in the fridge? Oh. Mm. Maybe we could just like to try our freezer. Mm, see See what we could do with our freezer to cool the planet down. I still think it might use up some electricity and then that'll make the planet hotter. No. Is there anybody that you would like to see them interview on Newsround? Oli Akazanda. Oli from Years and Years? Yes. Why do you like him? He has calm music, what I'm getting into. Mm-hmm. Is there anybody to do with nature or saving the planet that you'd like to see interviewed on Newsround? The birder. The urban birder? <laughs> oh, well, he's going to be on our podcast next week. <laughs> but who, who do you think, if you think of all the people you've learned about, who are, who are the great ones for helping save the planet? David Bowie. David Bowie? <laughs> no, David Attenborough. David Attenborough. Okay. David Attenborough. <laughs> And Greta Thunberg. Yeah. Anyone else? Jane Goodall. Jane Goodall. Okay, so what would you like them to ask those people? I want to ask tell us how Jane Goodall's learnt how they made tools. The monkey's making the tools. Yeah. Mm. Can I show you something on my phone? I just want to show you a little video. Okay. Hello again. A cartoon poster warning people of the dangers of fireworks has started a storm of protest. Yeah. Do you want to know what that was? What? That... Silly peanut. No, it's not a silly peanut. <laughs> that is what Newsround looked like when me and Ed were kids. What? Uh... The Newsround is 50 years old this month, and that's what it looked like when Ed and I were little about 40 years ago. <laughs> so I want to know... How cute. <laughs> I want to know, what do you think of what Newsround used to look like? Bullwood! <laughs> <laughs> Now, what would you like to see more of in Newsround? More cute animals, more cute animals, more cute animals. And finally, why do you think it's important for kids to learn about the news? It teaches them on the holidays and in the morning. Then they can learn and then they can be on Newsround. Would you like to be on Newsround one day? No, I would like to be someone who writes books. About what? Anything I wish. All right. Well, Eugene, thank you for 
coming on our podcast. Have you got anything you want to say to our listeners before you go? Ciao. I mean, that is just basically, I've got two words for you, Jeff. You are, well, three words, actually. You are fired. I mean, you know, at least you can guest present for a bit. Are you are you reeling from the fact that when I really pushed him on who he would like to see on Newsround, your your name wasn't mentioned? Yes. Anyway, <laughs> look, I think it's a great subject because is you know this is about Newsround, but it's about much more than that. It's about how we present news to children, what it says about young people, and what they're interested in. Yeah, so I think it's a it's a great conversation. It is, and the guests are fantastic. We have Lewis James, who runs Newsround, is the editor of Newsround. Also, Anna Bassi, who is the editor-in-chief of The Week Junior, which has been going for a few years and has been a phenomenal success, which is surprising when you, you know, maybe you don't expect that kids are going to be necessarily reading magazines so much anymore. And Anna and The uh, the Week Junior prove us wrong on that. And we'll also be talking to Katie Harrison, who's done something really interesting. She's founded something called Picture News. Uh, she's a former teacher and that this is a great resource for teachers and parents and children. What's your reason to be cheerful, Jeff? Well, my reason to be cheerful is I uh, saw a news story which related back to one of our earlier episodes, very early episode, in fact, episode 32. And in England and Wales this week, it's the end of the um, of the no-fault yes. divorce situation. Yes. We talked about this way back when, um, but people no longer have to do the laundry list of uh, reasons of We've changed the law, Jeff. I th- we fought the law and, and we won on yeah. this occasion. Yeah. I think it was my idea, actually, having doing this episode, that episode, and I'm trying to remember how I came across it. Was it when you were thinking about a divorce? And No, it wasn't to anything to do with our, you and me divorcing, Jeff. No. Um, so what's yours then? I was in Sheffield and somebody came up to me to say they had named their cat after me. I thought you could say kid. I mean, that would have been a bit much, but cat, no, cat, cat. feels about right. Yeah. They call it Milliband, but it is apparently named after me. Apparently there's one relative who shall remain nameless who isn't a Labour supporter and calls it Millie rather than Milliband. And then talk, I've got two actually. And then talking of uh, reason to be cheerful, uh, talking of animals, sorry. I'm really, really quite into this dog sitting thing now because the other uh, day it was a weekend and Justin and the kids were actually away for the day and I thought you know I'm feeling a bit lonely uh I wonder what Dylan's doing Dylan the dog and I um FaceTimed him no I broke into my neighbor's house (laughs) well no I didn't exactly break in but I sort of I texted them and they didn't reply so I got into the house with the key safe and took Dylan for walkies Fantastic. I got into a sort of psychological tug of war with Dylan. I've got to say to you, Jeff, because, I, you know, one of those things with a ball like, where um, you go, whoop. Not quite a catapult, but. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the, yeah, yeah. yeah. Things, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I made the mistake of seeing that alongside the lead and thought, okay, Dylan, we'll take that. But once I got, then got into the park, once he got the ball, he basically just sat and refused to move. And I was like, what am I going to do? I could thought, could I grab the ball out of his mouth? But it was a bit slobbery and I just thought it's not going to work. Maybe he'll bite me accidentally. I still really did not know what to do. And so I basically, you know, by this point, the onlookers are kind of looking on as they do and thinking, there's Ed Miliband. He does, is it his dog? He doesn't really know what he's doing. Uh, he's obviously, has he stolen the dog? What is going on? Right. And then, so then I took the courage in my hands. I decided that I was going to psych Dylan out. Right. So I then just walked and I just kept walking. And then I got to the brow of the bit where Dylan wasn't going to see me. And then Dylan came. It was brinkmanship. It was brinkmanship. Reasons to be cheerful with Ed Miliband and Jeff Lloyd. Well, we're delighted to start this conversation with Lewis James, who is the editor of Newsround. Lewis, hello. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Ed. Hi. Now, I, I know this is like a big year for Newsround, but coincidentally, we, we were just talking about the show a few weeks ago because my son, who is going, he's five going on six, we've recently started watching it together. I think maybe during the Winter Olympics and then with the situation in Ukraine, he's very interested in what's going on. So we, we would eulogizing about the show on the podcast anyway and and then we noticed you have 
this anniversary. T- tell us about like your news round story. Was it part of your childhood when you were growing up? I mean, the amazing thing about Lewis, Jeff, is that he doesn't look like 70, does he? He, he? looks like he, he won't remember he John look Craven. He like he's been doing it for 50 years. No. Yeah, he has. That's that's right, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, very kind of you both to say that I don't look a day over 50. I just about remember John Craven, not wanting to date myself too much, but I, I just about remember John Craven as a presenter, and my presenters were really... Krishnan and Judy Etchingham. That's sort of my ears. I'm dating myself completely. But honestly, Lewis, just wave your youth in our faces. Why don't you <laughs> just flaunt your youth in our faces? Some of us were born before Newsround began. Ed remembers Newsround when it was on the light programme. Yeah, exactly. The home service. Well, I'll take relative youth. Thank you very much, both. I can't remember all 50 years. You asked me what my, what my news round. Yeah, I watched it as a kid. Uh, I enjoyed it as a kid. Um, I think it probably had some role in me becoming a journalist. And that's very common, actually, for people to work on news round. Just, Lewis, locate us something here, because we, we just should know the history. John Craven was the first presenter, is that right? Correct, correct. And he did it for how long? He did it for 17 years from 1972 until 1990, I think. And right. he's more than the first presenter. He's the guru, really. Yeah. It was actually John Craven's news round. It wasn't news round. It was for those of us, you know, who were in at the creation. It was John Craven's news round. It was John Craven's news round. And he says that the idea was based on a paper round. And so because it was on TV, news round... And then Edward Barnes said to him, well, it's got to be someone's news round. It can't just be news round. And have you had every presenter since saying, why can't it be my news round? Pretty much. Although we've, <laughs> we've got several now, so it'd be, it, we'd have to change the titles every day. So I think it's just news round now. I think it will stay that way. Was there, I don't know, like a mission statement or a guiding principle that was there at the start of news round that is still part of the DNA of it now? Yeah, so John Craven always said the guiding principle was keep it simple, keep it short, keep it interesting. That was the guiding principle behind Newsround. And then the interesting thing about being involved in all the 50th anniversary celebrations that have gone on and looking back in the archive is how much some of the principles behind how we report news were set quite early on by John and the team. So try and leave children with an upbeat or funny story at the end of a bulletin. Newsround was the first to do that. I know lots of news programmes now do that, but Newsround was the first to do it. So Newsround invented and finally. Pretty much. The concept of a bit of light relief at the end of the news. That's so interesting that Newsround set the template for that then. Yeah, yeah. And sitting on the end of the desk, not sitting behind the desk, wearing informal clothes rather than a Am I right that he wore a stripy jumper? He wore a variety of stripy jumpers, Ed. Yeah. And there was apparently some consternation in the BBC at the time that a gentleman could read the news. Memos about um, stripy jumpers. Memos about stripy jumpers. Yeah, so Newsround was a trendset in lots of ways. So one of the early reporters, Lucy Matham, was the first British-Asian woman to front a news programme at the BBC, not just Newsround or Children's really interesting. programme. It's always been a place of innovation. Forgive me for asking a rather sort of um, grubby question, but how many, what's its viewing figures at the moment now, broadly? It's across a variety of means now, as you expect yeah. children. Linear TV is not what it was in 1972 with three channels and you haven't got a choice. We estimate at the BBC around 2 million children watch it at least once weekly. That's just in schools. And there's more at home, there's more on the CBC channel, and then our website gets around 800,000 browsers a week. So we think we're in a really healthy position. Schools are really important to us now. Is it on? It's on terrestrial, obviously. Still, it's it's yeah. It's on. It's on the CBBC channel. So that's the channel. At what time for those of us listeners who'd like to watch it at the time that it's on? Seven forty-five in the morning. We always put it on the iPlayer app, so probably within half an hour of when it's been broadcast. But to my son, the idea of being tied to 7.45 would be very strange to him. Why is it not on in the afternoons? Then? Because that's not where children are anymore. So you, you think back to those days, and the principle was we want children to watch information that's going to tell them about the world. The best way to do that is to sandwich it between a cartoon and Blue Peter on a linear channel because it's only... worked for me. Yeah, there's only three or four of them. But what is interesting about this is, yeah, maybe 
at first I watched Newsround because I watched everything. The telly went on when the children's programme started and it went off when they stopped. Whereas the numbers you're talking about, now I know you're involving schools, but people are seeking it out. Kids and parents are seeking it out. It says a lot about the role it plays. My younger son sees it in primary school when the class doesn't misbehave. And if the class misbehaves... There's no news round. You've let yourself down, you've let the class down, and you can't watch news round. That's quite a threat, isn't it? It is. The school side of it is quite important to us because that's where we really maintain the universality of the service, which is important. We watch more in schools that have high provision of free school meals than ones that have low provision of school free school meals, which might be quite counterintuitive. People think it you know, might be a middle-class service. We're very much not. And we like the idea of children actually watching it together. Now, I don't ever remember watching it in school. I don't know whether Jeff does. No, but watching things in school, they had to bring in a telly on oh, one of those yeah. big stands on yeah, wheels and true, then actually. find it to plug it into yeah. the school aerial. It was different. How long have you been in the BBC and specifically on Newsround, Lewis? So I've been in the BBC uh, for longer than I care to remember. So I joined the BBC in 2002. I joined Newsround in late 2013 and became editor in 2014. So I've been doing Newsround for eight years now. And And... You know, the, the BBC is, you, you get waves of management coming in with different ideas. I'm guessing, though, that news round is one of those things that is perennially valued because it's a very good indicator of what the BBC does that isn't replicated by commercial channels. So is, is it always, throughout that time that you've worked on it, has it always been treasured and, and resourced and prized as highly as you'd like? Yeah, I think so. I think so. And you're right for the reasons that, you know, it's very much public service broadcasting, isn't it? Giving information to the citizens of the future is the kind of very pompous way of putting it. And I think one of the ways it's really valued is that is that we get access to BBC News reporters and correspondents. So, for example, recently in Ukraine, James Waterhouse has, has answered kids' questions from Kiev. Now, that's because all the, a lot of the reporters and correspondents value news round. It's also because a lot of them have got kids as well, and the, and their kids are not impressed when they're on the telecom news, but they're, they're impressed when they're on news round. I think its journalism is rated within the BBC as well. It's certainly it's certainly something that I discovered coming to news round from another part of the BBC. Is the journalism is some of the most difficult journalism and challenging journalism that I've done because you can't assume any knowledge from your audience. What's your median? viewer that you have in mind the range is six to 12 but that's an enormous range when you think of their their cognitive and their emotional development when we think about it we do sometimes think let's have a range of content on the website or on the bulletin that caters to each one of those age ranges so jeff for your son we will cover ukraine hopefully in a way that will allow your son to be able to come away feeling knowledgeable and empowered by it that's definitely true. And I was wondering, is there a news round test where, you know, beyond which this story is too bleak, there's actually not a way that we can cover this that, that's not going to be helpful? When you're building a bulletin specifically, if it's, it's not too big a question, what are the criteria for what goes in and, and what doesn't and why? Um, I think the criteria is a mix of stories. Sometimes when a huge event happens, for example, like the Manchester attack, we'll devote a whole bulletin to it. But it'll be quite rare that something usually that's going on in children's lives right now, whether it's a playground craze, whether it's you know something you know pop star making a new appearance, something's very relevant to them, something they want to talk about, and that can be it can be about Ukraine, but it can also be on a snow day. We'll open up for comments on a snow day. What are you doing in the snow? And then we will try and mix in classic BBC news from anywhere around the world that we think will be of interest to children and also things that involve children, either in the UK or or abroad. And have you got like psychologists on hand or I mean, what, what is your resource when thinking about something like the pandemic or Ukraine and that range of ages that you're talking about? And I, I guess to some extent, the weight of responsibility you have to make sure that is covered in a way that isn't going to freak kids out that was exactly the question i was going to ask i think it's a really good question yeah we do feel the responsibility some days more than others i think probably the manchester attacks day was the day that i felt it most keenly because i got a call that evening to say there's been an attack ariana grande concert in manchester and my heart sank immediately because that was an attack that specifically targeted young people and children 
and you, you knew immediately the weight of what you had to do that day I think fell on all of us so yeah we are very conscious of it in terms of is there anything that's you know forbidden we try we try not to think like that I think the approach is slightly different it's not whether we should or shouldn't tell a story but how do we tell it and that will often inform whether we do it or not or in the way that we do it so to give you I'll give you an example on Ukraine we won't be we won't be covering the moment of impact of explosions, for example. We'll try not to show the moment of death, and we're really careful around that. Imagery is really important. But then there are lots of storytelling devices that we can use. We can use animation, we can use graphics, where imagery is too distressing. That's the kind of decision-making we're, we're going through day by day, week by week. And to follow up Jeff's question, do you have psychologists or others who, who offer you advice? Yeah, we have consulted with psychologists during the pandemic, also public health officials as well. We've you know, been fortunate in the UK to have some very good public health officials who are very good at communicating with children. And I suppose you know the kind of rubric within which you're operating, don't you? Yeah, and we've also got collective experience of 50 years of doing it and, and, and building on that. But there, there's always something new in the news and there's always something that really stops us in our tracks and we have to really consider carefully how we're going to proceed with something and and that's where there's a lot of conversations in the team and we will go for outside help as well where we think we need it and one of the things i find i think i think it's the case with children is you you've explained very well how you cover horrific events and you, and you do it in a certain way but it's also explaining to kids that these are unusual events so that they don't think this is you know i mean in a way part of the reason it's being covered it being covered is because it's appalling and unusual Absolutely. And children are very literal and they're also very empathetic. So if something happens in another continent of the world, they might immediately think, well, will this happen to me? And so if we can distance and say, you know, here's the UK, this is Ukraine, here's the UK, this is another part of the world, we'll do that. Um, also, I think something which we can do is what you say is about probability as well and explaining that to children. So I think it was Frank Gardner, the BBC security correspondent, who was extremely helpful i think to us and to kids after the manchester attacks because he said kids were asking questions directly to that we put to him and they were saying will this happen to me what happened in manchester and he said something which i thought was really great for kids which was i can't guarantee it because there will probably be more terror attacks in the uk over time but what i can say to you is that it's highly unlikely to happen to you or anyone you know. I thought that was brilliant because it was honest. It was really honest with children, but yet it was reassuring. And I think that's the kind of that's the kind of thing we're always searching for with stories is what's the kind of honest reassurance that we can give to kids. And just look, just just a question about the sort of changes over the last 50 years. Just take LGBT issues for example. How do you cover say LGBT issues on news around. I mean, to be very, very different than when I was growing up as a kid. And, and what I find with my kids is they are, you know, uh, sort of respect and a belief in equality with for LGBT people is, is so much part of what they grow up with. And I, I'm sure news around is a part of that. Absolutely. And I think the principles with that are the same as, as the principles with any other story. I think we do come from a place of respect and, and equality on that and, and, and on other issues as well. I think our aim is for children to try and understand the the debates that are going on in a way that's appropriate to them. And really that's the way in which society's changed since Newsround's been on the air because so much was swept under the carpet when it comes to children. So back then there would have been a view that certain things, certain subjects you can talk about in front of children. Other kids don't need to know about that. Yeah. Real life is brutal enough. They're going to learn when they get to a certain age. What is the counter to that, that that informs and sort of underpins Newsround? Yeah, I think that was definitely the case. And speaking to John Craven recently, he said there was nervousness at the BBC when it was launched and there was a feeling um i think both him and edward barnes said it of keeping a victorian ideal of, of of childhood from my perspective i hope that children come away from news round by being informed feel better about the world rather than being scared or distressed by it and i think it's important that we cover things in the right way in order to achieve that how are kids coping in your experience with the grown-ups not following the rules in terms of what they've dubbed party gate 
there's been big interest in Partygate from the news round audience, and we've reflected, you know, both what you know the opposition have been saying and the government have been saying about it. You know, as you expect us to. I think interestingly, there's there's a range of views from kids on it, but I think it's cut through with kids because they have parties. They know what a party is. All all children know what a party is, and and they know what an office gathering is as well. Well, they do now. They do now. Ed, from your time as the opposition, the, the story that really cut through was when um, David Cameron called you a Muppet across the dispatch oh box. God, Lewis, why did you have to mention that? I... Why is that an insult? I mean, it depends on which Muppet. I don't even remember that. That's so interesting. Out of all the political issues, it was one that kids latched on to um, because they're taught that you need to be respectful, you need to not call names. And you know, again, there was a range of views on it, as you'd expect with any political story. But that cut through to our audience. Well, let's end by asking you uh, this. I'm sure you've got lots of favourite moments from your time at Newsround, but just pick out one or two uh, for us during your time as editor. I mean, the stuff I'm you know, most proud of, I think we did a documentary on the Holocaust in 2019. Um and a very difficult subject for that age range of six to 12. But the feedback we got was that, you know, it's an incredibly useful resource for parents to introduce their children to the subject. Um, so I'm really proud of that. And I'm also really proud of some of the innovations we've made. We told the story of a Hiroshima survivor in 2015, um, who was 14 when the bomb was dropped on Hiroshima. And we animated it all because obviously with Hiroshima, the footage and the the images is really distressing. So we animated it and it, a really challenging thing to do, but incredibly rewarding. And, you know, covering the Trump election was fascinating. Those are some of the highlights for me. I suppose the last question actually I should ask is, could Jeff or I be a Newsround presenter? We're a bit old. Well, we could give you a screen test. I think you want these people to look like they could be very big brothers or sisters or cousins. You don't want avuncular. Yeah. Television was full of avuncular figures when we were kids. Grandfatherly, I think is what you're saying, Jeff. Yes. Yeah. Look, all I can say is congratulations on 50 years and we look forward to your next 50 years of editing news round. Thank you. Um, I'm not sure I'm capable of another 50 years, but um, I appreciate the sentiment. Thank you very much. <laughs> Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'd like to say that we are joined now by Anna Bassi, who is editor-in-chief of The Week Junior uh, and is on a holiday at the moment. And so we are extra special grateful uh, to you for joining us, Anna. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. No, not at all. Uh, can you tell us first about The Week Junior, just for those of our listeners who don't know, and how it relates to its older sister, which they or, or brother, which they may have heard of, uh, The Week? Well, The Week Junior is a weekly news magazine for children aged 8 to 14 year olds. And it was launched uh, back in 2015 in November as the younger sibling of The Week magazine, which if, if listeners aren't aware of The Week magazine, it's a, a weekly news digest for adults described as all you need to know about everything that matters. Basically, we've taken that formula and applied it to a magazine for children instead. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a fantastic journey since 2015. <laughs> and how is it going? It's going really, really well. It's uh, exceeded all our very modest expectations by quite a long way, actually. We, we, I think we set out with uh, about 5,000 subscribers before we'd actually launched, um, and we now have almost 100,000 subscribers. Wow. 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 I mean, it seems strange to me because, you know, if, if you don't know the figures, you assume that kids aren't going to the newsagents and and reading physical magazines anymore everything's on uh, tablets and everything's bite-sized but 
you, you found that there is this appetite for oh, yeah. a magazine as, as we would think of it. And, and who are those kids? Who are those kids? I think they're kids from all over the country and they're, you know, boys and girls almost equally, equally split. They're kids who are interested in the world. And I think, um, you know, what you said just now about the assumption being that kids wouldn't really be very interested in news and, and definitely wouldn't want to read a magazine is exactly the sort of, um, the, the kind of wisdom that, that, that was shared with us prior to launch. And in fact, I think what we realised and, and what we felt very strongly was that if you give children a magazine that's very clearly made for them, and speaks to them in a way that they understand and it's not patronising and it's telling them interesting things and, and giving them something new every week, then, you know, they will read it and you, and you don't need gimmicks to, to sell it to them. And to tell us this, Anna, we've just been talking to Lewis James from Newsround and talking about the sort of balance between what kids need to know and what is too much. How do you balance the, this this question of, of not sort of telling kids that the world is a terrible place where terrible things happen, but at the same time having honesty with kids about some of the bad things that do happen in the world. I mean, it's all about balance. So since we launched, there have been many very difficult and, and serious news stories we've had to share with our readers. And I think we'll always start from the position of what do children need to know about this and how much information do we need to share with them for them to be able to make sense of it. So we just think about what their questions are going to be. We answer them as truthfully as we can and as concisely as we can. And our formula from the very beginning of the magazine really has always been to think about Who's helping? So in a, in a situation where something terrible has happened, awful things happening around the world, but there's always somebody who's helping. There are always organisations who are helping. There are countries who are helping. There are individuals who are volunteering. So we'll always try and focus on the positive actions of, of people in, in the face of you know adversity. Is that based on that famous quote? I don't know if it's Mr. Rogers, the American public service children's broadcaster, who said that whatever the situation, look for the person who's helping. And, and that's the, the sort of principle that underpins it. Uh, yeah, completely. The other thing to say is that, yes, there are terrible things happening around the world and we don't shy away from them. But there are also lots of really fantastic things happening around the world. There are inspiring people doing amazing things. And I think it's really important that we don't lose sight of that. Have you noticed anything that, so if you were the Daily Mail, you know that house prices and Lady Diana are going to shift newspapers. Have, have you noticed things that increase circulation if, if they're in the news for kids? That's a tricky one, actually, because we're a, a, a sort of primarily a subscription, subscription magazine. We did see a huge increase in subscriptions over the course of the first lockdown in 2020, which I think was driven by a couple of different things. Obviously, there were suddenly a huge number of children at home um, and, and a huge number of parents looking for things to keep their children occupied and engaged and, and interested. I think also at that time, uh, a lot of parents really were struggling to explain what was happening to their children and felt they could trust us to do that in a way that wouldn't increase their anxiety and, and might you know help them understand what's happening and again help them understand who's helping think about the scientists think about the the key workers think about the people in the community who've got together and helped each other we've talked a little bit about how you balance very gloomy things that are happening with more hopeful things are they the most difficult editorial judgments for you when judging what to put in the week, Junior? In terms of the, the gloomy stories, always, yes. I think, you know, the team take their responsibility incredibly seriously. And there are some stories that we probably wouldn't report on, but we always have to weigh up. What do we think children are going to find out about anyway? What are, what, what are they going to hear about in the playground? What might they see on the front page of their parents' newspaper? I mean, one of the things... I found very difficult recently was was you know thinking about how we would write about what was happening in Ukraine. I, I remember walking through uh, the chief station on the way to work on the, on the Monday of the week. Our issue would be going to press with that story and seeing the front page of the Metro with a, a tank in flames and, and feeling really upset because there were hordes of children passing through the tube station and thinking that's what they're seeing. And that's just terrifying. So, you know, again, though, in conversation with the team, you know, we thought, how can we explain this? Well, we have to provide the background to the story. We have to give, you know, provide a history of the region. We also reached out to parents and teachers to ask them what they thought their children needed to know and, you know, what sort of questions children had been asking. And, and a lot of that, you know, was fairly obvious stuff, I suppose. But one of the things that came back loud and clear was children really wanted to know what they could do to help. Um, so we created a couple of pages within that issue um, 
describing different ways they could help, you know, whether that was fundraising, you know, donating to a charity, writing to their MP to ask the government to do more to help, um, making a poster to show solidarity. So it's really helpful. It always helps us to speak to parents and teachers as well, because that gives us a good steer on what our readers really need to know and what perhaps they might feel less comfortable with us sharing with them. I think one thing that will be interesting for our listeners to hear about is how you cover relationship and emotional issues that are facing young people. I mean, we, we're talking quite a lot about the history of Newsround on this episode of the podcast. And obviously, Newsround started 50 years ago at a, at a sort of very different time. Um, j- just talk to us a little bit about that. In terms of how we show different children and different families, that's very straightforward. We're careful always with our choice of images in the magazine. So we have readers who may be as young as six or seven. So there are some things that we, you know, we pay close attention to the school curriculum and, and what's being taught in school and the things we can't write about we endeavour to show, so we will show all kinds of families. There could be, you know, there's a family with two mums, there's a family with two dads, there's a family with a single parent. So we think if, if, if we feel that it's something we can't easily explain to the youngest of readers, we'll find other ways of showing different family setups. In terms of other things, um, we do have a wellbeing page in the magazine, which we launched at the beginning of 2021. And that was something that had been brewing for a while. But again, because of lockdowns and because of the impact on children and, and, and sort of concerns about mental health, we felt it really important to maybe address that directly with our readers, but not in a way that would be, for example, focusing on negatives or or attempting to be problem solvers for children. It's more a case of explaining to children what mental health is and how they can look after their mental health, how they can take control of their relationships with other kids and, and, and other adults as well, and try to give them some tools and strategies really for, for sort of coping with life in the 21st century. And And how much of a dialogue with you you've talked about um talking to parents and teachers how much of a dialogue with your readership with the children are you in and what form does that take well we have a lot of emails from readers um every day there are many many emails from readers and they might just be sending us photos of their cats they might be telling us uh, about a mistake they found in the magazine although thankfully that doesn't happen too often but if it Do you does mean, are you just <laughs> laughing are you just laughing constantly i was thinking about this talking to lewis at newsround the stuff that they don't broadcast where they've just interviewed kids and you get the weird stuff that kids have said i know my son is always sending off the strangest things with cuz he can't really you know write a letter yet the strangest of things to magazines and places There are often funny things, but I I think more often than not, I'm just amazed by the sort of the the ingenuity of children, actually, the kind of things they'll think about. And as I said, going back to the what can we do to help question, the numbers of kids that have written to tell us about, you know, I think there's one one group of kids wrote to us last week to tell us that they had um, decided to swim the length of the channel between them to raise money for, for charities working in Ukraine. It's just incredible. The children doing bake sales and making ribbons. And, and then you get the kids, you get every single copy of the Wheat Junior magazine that they've ever had and decide to paper their staircase with them, which I can imagine doesn't go down terribly well with their parents. But I just, I'm just, i constantly surprised by their, yeah, their ingenuity, their resilience, their creativity. And it's lovely. You know, it's great to have that connection with readers. And and if there's one, because you're at the cutting edge of hearing what kids are thinking about, if there's one thing that kids want to know more about that perhaps they don't have access to, I don't mean in the week junior, but generally, is there something you would say is a particular subject? You know, I don't think it's a, a massive surprise. I mean, they are very concerned about climate change. Yeah. So one of the things, I mean, one of the things I think as a team we feel very strongly about is that, you know, we know children care about climate change. We know that that can be somewhat um, anxious as a subject for them. And we know that they're keen to do what they can to help. In other ways, thinking about the environment, um, what we will try to do in a very positive way is to demonstrate to our readers just how amazing their world is. We've just introduced um a box in uh, on our animals page of the magazine called Nature Spy, which is all about getting to know British flora and fauna. So there's plenty of research to, to, to show that kids really don't recognise wildflowers. They aren't familiar with different species of birds and insects. And actually losing that connection with your environment can make you less likely to want to save it. So we're, we're making a positive effort to engage kids with their environment in that way. Sounds great. Anna Bassi. 
Huge kudos to you for what you do at the Week Junior. Even huger kudos for joining us from your holiday. Thanks so much for, for being here. Thanks very much for having me. Finally, we're going to talk to former teacher and education consultant and founder of Picture News, Katie Harrison, who is interrupting a, a holiday to talk to us today. Thank you, Katie. We appreciate it. Another person interrupting a holiday, Jeff. I know. We feel incredibly flattered. Thank you, Katie. Exactly. No, you're very welcome. No, I think it's something that I am incredibly passionate about. So, yeah, so I'm very... Uh, I'm very pleased you interrupted my holiday. <laughs> this whole subject of news for children and, and why children should be engaged with current affairs is such an interesting one. And I wondered if you could start by telling us about Picture News, which you founded. What is it and what was it that you identified? What was the need that you identified? When I was teaching, I, I used to use content from the news a lot because I feel like it's real life learning. It's something that children can um, really relate to. And I think... It's, it's something that a lot of teachers are afraid to tackle because they don't have the, the confidence. And, and a lot of news is really heavy, very sensitive. And I felt like there was something missing. Um, and I think as well, a lot of news is covered in a really informative way. So this is what's happened. Um, and it, you look at it, you study the facts, and then you move on. Whereas the idea with what we do at Picture News is we choose one story every week and we go into to great detail to give children the space to talk about it and to learn from it. So they're not just learning about the news story. So we think about um, how it impacts on their lives, how it impacts on the lives of the people in the story. So there's a lot, of, there's a lot to, to unpack and explore when considering a different news story. And what ages do you aim at, Katie? Well, we actually, we start from early years. So we start from age three. I mean, we we personally believe that, yeah, that it's, it's conversations that as long as they're age appropriate, they can always be had. And children are regularly exposed to um, what's happening from a really young age. So they might hear snippets on the radio, in the car, and they might hear something on the playground. And I think if they don't have the, the space to talk about it and explore, it can it can lead to quite a lot of worries for them. So we do start, we start very young. Obviously, it's completely age appropriate. So we give structure and guidance for teachers to on the topics that they're covering. So what, what would that, for example, look like that young um, for, for three-year-olds? We tend to focus on the, the, the positives, people who help where possible. So, for example, we have obviously covered the, the current situation in Ukraine. And how we've done that with, with very little ones is we've explored how other countries are helping. And we've looked at things like um, people's pets. So people who have escaped with their pets and charities that are helping them. So we look at it from perspectives that children can relate to. So they have pets, they can talk about their own pets, they can talk about people in Ukraine who have had to leave their houses um, and they can talk about it in that way. So so it's that is because Ed and I have talked before about like the Cold War and fear of the nuclear bomb seeping into our childhoods. And we did an episode about climate anxiety a while ago. So it seems to me that it makes sure that what seeps in is processed in a kind of healthy, constructive way. But also is there something around helping children with empathy that's part of it yes it's a huge part i think i think the news lends itself for it's something that's happening right now and we we believe it's really empowering for children to learn about something and then actually take action or want to do something to make a difference and every year we do um what we call the picture news impact awards and we hear from hundreds of schools and one of our most recent winners was the school in cornwall who they learned about plastics in the oceans and then they, they're, obviously they're in Cornwall, so they're very in close proximity. And then it happened to be comic relief and they looked at their, all the plastic red noses and they thought, this isn't right, this can't be, this isn't something that should be happening. So they actually wrote a letter to David Attenborough um, and it snowballed and they that school are, are now part of the reason why we no longer have plastic red noses. So I think, yeah, in that sense, it, it can be hugely empowering. And we've got schools that... Um, tweet. We looked at Marcus Rashford and explored all the work he's doing with um, free school meals. And loads of our schools tweeted him, reached out to him, and he engaged with them. So I think it can be really empowering to know that they can have a wider impact on the world and what's happening. And just from your experience, both as a teacher and now your experience in, in the education industry, what is it, what's the gap you think you're perhaps filling that might be missing in traditional forms of teaching? Traditional forms of, of educational resources, I beg your pardon. 
Yeah, I think that's a really interesting question. And it's why I, I really wanted to, and why I did start the company. Um, I think a lot of content is very static. Um, the national curriculum and a lot of how teaching is sort of structured and how and it's not the fault of teachers, but just how it's it's laid out. They've got to cram a lot in um, and they've got to do a lot of sort of tick a lot of boxes in terms of covering certain content and the idea with what we do and I knew because it's a really saturated market in terms of education content I knew we had to do something that would work with what what teachers are already doing and how they're already working so our resource the idea is it's not it doesn't slot into another subject or another area or doesn't replace anything a lot of our schools will do it for an assembly so they'll have a weekly pitch news assembly and they will explore the story that we've covered what we've found is and that's how it that's how they start. And then because the children are so engaged with the story and they want to learn more, and they want to talk about it more, it then will naturally seep in when they go back to their own classrooms and they'll have a sort of short discussion or talk about it further. And another way of really engaging it is having it on a display. So schools, all schools have display boards that they're desperate to, to fill and find content for. Um, and rather, again, rather than it being a sort of static display board of this is our work that, that we did three months ago, they can put the picture news poster. So we always choose an image and a big thought-provoking question. And then the children can actually stick post-it notes or kind of engage with it. And I think our schools are, are really receptive to that. It's also making it more interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Into more interactive. I think I saw on your website, you, you can listen to, there's resources you can listen to, resources you can watch. Is that right? Yeah, so when um, schools closed in March 2020, and obviously a lot of our resources were used for whole school assemblies, which went out the window, we started producing video content as well. You described teachers don't always get into the news, and I think constraints on their time and how busy they are is a big part of it. But is ever the idea that they might accidentally be leaving themselves vulnerable to accusations in being politicised, either from parents or from, you know, their employers is is it sometimes difficult for teachers to get into the news without worrying about there being an agenda to what they're saying I think that's one of the main reasons why it's often avoided we've had a lot of um, teachers that, that will say to us we talk to psychologists we talk to a lot of experts in the field um, and there's an awful lot that goes behind our resources so the idea is we're giving them some structure and support um, and the idea as well is we we take a huge effort to present it in a way that is is without bias and it, it's in a way that's open for discussion. Sometimes it's when teachers want to cover a story, it, it potentially might be quite emotive or they might, and, and so they might avoid it and for that reason. And so I think having some structure, I think really helps. So it's not in a way that teachers are afraid to cover it um, and children aren't afraid. And it might lead on to more serious conversations and discussions. But I think with the context and with it being set up in a very open way can, can really help um, help structure that. We're a sort of optimism podcast. Are there good news stories which you've covered in your resources which have gone down particularly well with children? Oh, yes. We predominantly try and cover good news. So even when, as, as I say, when we're covering something like Ukraine, we will look for people who help. Probably our most our most used pack was actually the, the Manchester terror attacks, but looking at all of the people who helped. And we did profiles on some of the heroes in that story. Um, and I think, and it was at a time when it was so scary for children because obviously children were directly affected by that. Um, and looking for the heroes and people who, who help. Um, another one we did that was a really popular one obviously right in the middle of the pandemic, was looking at Tom Moore and the work he was doing. We started, actually kicked off a whole campaign about children doing 100 of something um, to raise awareness and to raise for their local communities. Um, and we had children all over the country doing different things. That's great. Uh, Katie, just the last question. We, we've got this thing on the podcast called the Jeffocracy, which is Jeff as the supreme but benign ruler. If, if Jeff appointed you as the kind of head of a task force or as Secretary of State to, to, to work out how we teach kids in schools about current affairs, what would you feel needs to change about the way our curriculum is, is oriented? I think it's quite hard for teachers to, to probably explore news content as much and as freely as they'd like to. And I think, and I know sometimes our schools will say, we absolutely love this news story and the children just 
just didn't want to stop talking about it, but we had to stop at 10 o'clock and do maths. And I think having the space to, to be more free, I think, in the curriculum, possibly by rather than subject specific. And I know the, the, the Welsh curriculum is changing to be more, to be much more broader and have areas of learning. And it's actually much more how the, the early years curriculum is, is structured. Is it like project-based learning? I mean, there's something called project-based learning, isn't there, where you sort of try and teach all the subjects, maths, English, history, geography, and so on, but within a project? Yeah, it's essentially that model. And I think it's giving teachers more freedom um, to design their own curriculum and to have the capacity to do more project-based learning. I think it's just having more flexibility and freedom. Fantastic. Well, well look, uh, Katie Harrison, uh, you, you set up Picture News. It's been fantastic um, to hear your thoughts on this and how things can change and what you're doing. I think you are due back on the ski slope, <laughs> more or less now. So be safe out there. And thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Ed. And thank you so much, Jeff, for having me. So what did you think, the gene-inspired episode? Well, I think we should let him uh, choose all well, of Let him present as well, actually, yeah. <laughs> um, it's like the family business, you kind of pass down to him. And it always works out so well when, um, when, when people get into this kind of thing at a very young age as well, doesn't it? They always end up being such well-balanced individuals. Thanks very much, Jeff, yeah. <laughs> um, so often on the podcast, what we're saying is, here's a problem and wouldn't it be great if we got this person who we've just talked to to fix it? Whereas th- this week's episode is, is very much, isn't it great that these people are out there doing this thing? And, and do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a celebration of something. Like Our world is better, our country is better yeah. because that's part of our media landscape. Um, and we've found some other um, outlets, uh, the Picture News and The Week Junior, doing the same thing. And instead of saying, oh, God, you know, we need to get better at talking to kids about news, what we've done this week is celebrate that we, we have become better over the last half century and, and more recently at doing that. i tell you what's interesting, and I keep myself for not asking this. This is a BBC institution. I don't know whether there's anything like, I mean, I'm sure there is something like news around elsewhere, but you do feel like it is a, you know, there's a reason it's the BBC. Yeah, well, if the BBC is the world's gold standard of um, yeah, public service broadcaster, then I think we have the, the children's news to match that. Completely. And then I think what, what the interview with Anna showed was the thirst that young people have for news, you know, the week junior. You know, they started off thinking they'd have 5,000 readers, uh, subscribers, and it's 100,000. I think that's really interesting. And then... I'm I'm really interested in Katie and what she had to say because it's about understanding that kids are interested in what's going on in their world and do want to engage with it and they can and I suppose what Katie was saying is they can you know learning can be structured in a way that feeds off that and and just this underlying point that what is going on around kids seeps in anyway yeah. so let's yeah. find let's find positive constructive ways of uh, of getting them to work through that. Well, that's a learning for me too, because I, I must say I'm slightly at the let's not horrify kids with how awful things are end of the spectrum. And I think that obviously you've got to have a balance here, uh, which was emphasised by all our guests in different ways. But I think I think it was Anna who said that she was walking to the tube station and saw the you know front page of the Metro with the tank on fire. You know, kids are going to see that anyway. So you might as well find a way of, explaining it to them in a way that is age appropriate reasons to be cheerful with ed Miliband and jeff lloyd well as ever we'd love to hear you if you've got thoughts on, uh, me. on what you've you'd love to hear me we've heard plenty from you um we'd love to uh love love to hear from you listening to this if you've got thoughts on the way that we uh, include children in current affairs ideas for episodes the website is cheerfulpodcast.com now We've got a, a slight, uh, slightly chastising email here from Jamie, who says, I love the podcast, but one frustrating thing I've noticed a couple of times is your occasional accidental conflation of England with the UK. In your episode on rivers, for example, uh, you talked about only 14% of our rivers passing the bar for ecological health, but this only applies to England, not the UK as a whole. In Scotland, it's more like 50 to 65% from what I can see online. I'm from Scotland and it can be very frustrating when England and the UK are discussed as if they are the same thing. Um, I do understand that and I do try I feel 
guilty having this pointed out to me. It is something I'm mindful of, but we will try to be more mindful of it in the future. He also says, uh, P.S. Ed's interviews on Sky BBC today were a sad reminder that we got the wrong PM in 2015. Oh, isn't that nice? I wonder if he wants a selfie. Uh, This one comes from uh, David Smith, uh, and it's titled An Apology, Jeff. Thank you both for the podcast. However, a quick question. Is it wrong for me to admit that while I always listen into the intro about why you're both cheerful, as it's like catching up with how your week has been, I don't always listen to the whole episode, exclamation mark. Well, I think that's David gets some points for honesty, doesn't he? Yes. I mean, I suspect how often it's the other way around, that people fast forward through that bit to get into the uh, filling of the sandwich. I'm sure there's somebody who fast forwards all the way to the end to hear our very witty badinage, <laughs> as I say, he's been and you he's say been. he's yeah. been. I it's mean, very two Ronnies, isn't it? I think it's slightly below the two Ronnies well, yes, in the United right. States, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, well, I think it's allowed, isn't it? I think we're sort of happy for people to dip in and out. and It's like a sort of... Cold water swimming. I was going to say, it's like, it could be like a meal or it could be like a hummus dip. Very rare that you um, won't go with a cold water swimming analogy. I, I do, I was, actually. Yeah. But if you want to do a few lengths, do a few lengths. If you just want to get uh, yourself wet and back out again, that's that's fine uh, too. Interesting. I did three times around today, 9.5 degrees. Send us your ideas or suggest a guest for a future episode. Email reasons at cheerfulpodcast.com. Find us on Facebook or tweet at cheerfulpodcast. We're in the outro, Ed. I did a little bit of Googling. Uh-oh. I think you started it with the whole Muppet thing. Did I? I think you called David Cameron a dunce, and he retaliated by calling you and your uh, then-colleague Ed Balls a pair of Muppets. I would not have used the word dunce. If you had, it, it does make me think that maybe there is a, a role for some kind of political consultant who gives party leaders more up-to-date insults than dunce and Muppet. Can, can you give me context to, to the dunce comment? Yes, I can. I want context. Hang on a second. Does not sound like me, does it? Dunce sounds kind of retro, so so in a way so that's... that's so in that score, yes. yeah. Crumbs, in other words. So Ed Miliband labelled David Cameron the dunce of Downing Street. Oh, right. Nice alliteration. And it was over the government's uh, sell-off of the Royal Mail. Oh, I see. Okay. okay, and he responded. Oh, I see. By calling you and Ed Balls Muppets. Mm. <laughs> right. Shall we thank our guests? Uh, yes. I'd like to thank Lewis James, Anna Bassey, and Katie Harrison. Thanks to Emma Caution for producing all the audio on our podcast. Joe Kenyon from Goldfish did all the research and guest booking. Gail Lofthouse is our announcer. Ed Seed composed the music. James Deacon made the idents, and our artwork was designed by Henry Cole. He's been a dunce. He's been a muppet. How dare you? And these have been reasons to be cheerful. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.